Hey everyone, Brandon Kaiser here and welcome to the Biggest Fan Podcast presented by Biggest Fan Consulting, where we build robust student sections at the high school and college level. We take chill and apathetic fan zones and turn them into electrifying, hype generating and outcome altering student sections. In 2013, I had the opportunity to help start and grow the GCU Havoc student section which is now known as the biggest party in college basketball. I've witnessed some of the greatest moments in sports history and lived to tell some of the wildest stories of what it means to be the biggest fan. So now we're taking those incredible memories and stories and we're bringing them directly to you. In this podcast, you'll get a firsthand look into the crazy ideas, outrageous stories, and dedicated lifestyle of some of the most passionate fans in sports. So stand up, paint your face, and get ready, let's jump right in. Brandon Kaiser here, and welcome to the Biggest Fan Podcast. Today we have another special guest. I'm incredibly excited for you all to hear his story and who he is because he is someone that just represents passionate crazy fandom and his name is Patrick Hoffman how are you this week what's up BK super stoked to be here and yeah man um it's been a few years since I've been doing the uh, student section thing but definitely some fun fond memories and yeah let's get into it awesome well we're still in uh COVID so where were you what were you doing and um yeah, what what happened when the wor- the sports world came crashing down? Yeah, so about a week prior to, I think the pivotal moment for me was when Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell got popped, and you saw all the fans in OKC running out of the building and the game getting canceled. And I was in an airport terminal when that was going on, so that was pretty wild and in the midst of that work was uh going back and forth about you know sending everybody home to work from home by that point uh google we had heard had already sent everybody home the week prior and to backtrack a little bit the week before that i'm sure we'll get into the story like long tail but i was in vegas for the wcc tournament and this is a week before i was flying to aspen to ski and at that point in time it was it was, it was on the forefront of my mind, this COVID thing, but travel was still open, still went to Vegas and full sent it. Um, then the next week I was in the terminal, saw the, the NBA stuff. And that was heartbreaking because I'm a huge Lakers fan and Lakers just had a huge weekend against the Bucks and the Clippers and beat both of them. And it was like an epiphany when LeBron hit this and one layup. I was like, oh my God, the Lakers are going to win it this year. Week later, season gets canceled. So me and my buddies, we go to Aspen and Aspen's usually a pretty fun town, um, you know, during the day and going out at night and the town was just dead. It was really weird to see and definitely people were already taking, um, you know, precautions with COVID and whatnot. And then we actually skied the very last day of the season on Saturday uh, up there. And then the season was canceled on Sunday and luckily we had our flights back already. So we didn't miss any more skiing after that. Um, But crazy you know and then we go into full shutdown and I being a major extrovert was 
really optimistic it'd only be two weeks and this thing would be back in the office ASAP, but here we are a few months later. Wow. So you said some of the last basketball, full basketball games, and you got some of the last days to ski. Yeah, definitely. I took full advantage of, uh, you know, that last week before stay home. Uh, so I'm glad I did that, but I miss skiing and basketball so much. Yeah. Well, let's get into a little bit of your story and your background. Uh, you went to LMU uh, in LA, Loyola Marymount. So um, what made you pick LMU? And why don't you just give me some background on, you know, the, the school and their history and, um, you know, why you chose to spend your college experience at LMU? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the main reason I picked LMU was I got waitlisted everywhere else. But uh, <laughs> just regard that, uh, you know, I wanted a school that was dynamic, um, you know, when it came to academics and uh, getting involved and the area it was in. So <laughs> applied to a lot of jazz with schools a lot of schools that uh, undergraduate size was under 10k and uh, when LMU uh, offered me it seemed like an awesome fit even though it's only an hour away from my hometown of Ventura being in LA it's a completely different animal from growing up in a little beach town um, LMU's 6,000 undergrad it's about a mile and a half from the beach in uh, Westchester, right by LAX, and they've started to brand the area LMU's around Santa Monica, Venice, Playa Vista, Manhattan Beach is Silicon Beach. So I really timed it right, um, almost on accident, to be in such a booming uh, place for tech and advertising and business. And, you know, I think LMU definitely set me up for a lot of success post-graduate, uh, but to be by the beach, to be by Hollywood, to be by downtown LA, to be by all that business, I think it was a perfect setup for me. Um, you know, and then on top of that, what I got involved in at school with athletics and uh, the student body and whatnot, it was uh, a perfect fit, to be honest. Yeah, so um, before we jump into, you know, your student section experience and being the leader, there's a couple things that just, I think we have to, we have to hit. So there are rumors floating around that I've heard about you, your desire or ambition to be, become a WWE wrestler. Are those rumors true? And if so, tell me everything. <laughs> For sure. Um, rumors are true. It started with, you know, I think every kid growing up that's into sports has fantasies of becoming a pro athlete. And for a lot of us, that doesn't come to fruition, um, usually. And so then making it into college and getting involved with um, a number of different things, but being in a few different positions where I was given a mic and being in front of people uh, um, and even not having a mic and being in front of a student section, uh, I definitely had a passion for entertaining people and being in front of a lot of eyeballs. And I found wrestling in college. I had a roommate that was really into it. When I used to watch it as a kid, you know, I knew it was fake or fake. I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, and thought, you know, I do my five minutes like every six months or so watching and be like, this is ridiculous. And then turn the channel. But he like taught me a whole other side of it. Like the storytelling, the 
uh, acting that goes involved in it. I don't think a lot of people know, but all WWE wrestlers uh, have their SAG card. So they're all registered actors. Uh, and it's a perfect combination between being a professional athlete. You look at these guys, they're all in great shape. The bumps they're taking in the ring are real. They're hitting the mat. They're getting hit. They're bleeding for real. The difference between, you know, that and real sports is it's scripted. So I wouldn't say it's fake because there's a huge physical aspect to it. And a lot of these guys are wrestling 200 plus days a year. So just coming out of school and thinking about, you know, if I really want to get into entertainment and, um, you know, still kind of be a professional athlete to a degree, uh, it would be the perfect, um, you know, combination of, of both worlds. And so I have had a tryout <laughs> with a um, kind of branch minor league feeder into WWE and it went really well and I got a, a lot of good feedback. Um, and right now it's on the table, especially with COVID. If uh, wrestling schools were open, I might partake in getting back in there, but they're not open right now for obvious reasons. So we'll see, man. It's something I honestly think about every day. And uh, I'm still a big fan and follow uh, all the leagues out here and in Japan and whatnot. So uh, we'll see where it goes. Uh, stay tuned. Yeah, please keep me updated. I will be sure to tune in to that. And we're all about passion on this podcast. And so if it's something that you're passionate about, you know, I wish you the best and hope that you can fully pursue that. Um, so when it comes to sports and fandom, and I know you went to LMU and got involved in the student section, but I know it's, it started earlier than, than college with you and basketball and the Lakers. So tell me what, um, where your quote fandom started. What, what are some of your earliest memories of maybe seeing a basketball uh, team or Kobe um, and I'd love to actually hear your experience about the, the tragedy that happened earlier this year. But, but first I want to start, where did that passion for sports start for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I would have to give most of the credit to my family. Uh, my dad and mother are huge LA sports fans. My dad in particular is a huge Lakers fan. He used to go to games at the forum with magic and Kareem and he's been through all the ups and downs with, the Lakers saw the three-peat with Shaq and Kobe. And then, um, you know, since I was, you know, since I can remember, I've been in purple and gold. I, he bought me and my brother a Shaq and Kobe jersey, me wearing Shaq, my little brother wearing Kobe. And, um, you know, when Kobe passed and I kind of wanted to, you know, bundle up all of the photos with me and, and Lakers stuff, it was pretty astonishing. My mom going through the camera roll over the last 25 years and, seeing how many pictures there are of me in purple and gold, it's pretty crazy. I'm a massive Lakers fan. Uh, I remember the three-peat very vividly, even only being four or five, six years old. Uh, the two championships with Kobe and Powell were huge for me to see the team kind of take a dip and come back and Kobe win those on his own. And then it kind of, the timing was perfect when I got to college in that it was a real bummer. The Lakers had a few really bad years uh, for Kobe's last uh, couple years on the team. Um, and that was right in the midst of my college year. So my passion kind of shifted to focus more on, on LMU basketball and, and what was in front of me in present day. And then obviously post-graduation, 
uh, when uh, LeBron signed. I remember where I was uh, in a bar in Ventura, like during the day on a Sunday. I literally cried, man. Like I was so stoked that, you know, it meant the Lakers were back. And this season they've been on fire and we'll see in a couple weeks when uh, the bubble gets started, um, how they fare. Uh, but to get, I guess, touch on Kobe real quick. I mean, outside of like family, I don't know if there's anybody that could have passed that would move me so much the way Kobe did. I mean, he was uh, definitely my idol and a God out here in LA. And I know LA sports fans can definitely, um, you know, attest to that. Um, and I, I think sports fans everywhere, like absolute God step under Jordan. And uh, to this day, when I see a number eight or 24 on a car or the murals that are all over LA right now, I just take, you know, a couple minutes to just kind of, you know, think to myself, I think about him every day and it's a real bummer, but I'm glad he's getting the, uh, um, the props he, he really deserves from everybody internationally and not just LA sports fans. He's a true legend. One of the, I think, craziest things about Kobe's passing was literally the day before LeBron passing him and scoring and Kobe tweeting to LeBron about passing that forward and then Kobe passing and now LeBron taking on that Lakers legacy. Like you said, it's, it's just a really um, profound and special moment that happened and um, – yeah, it's almost it, it, one of the many, I just think, bummers about this COVID thing is is the rest of that NBA season, and maybe it still will be, but I think it's probably died off a lot with some of the other stuff that's taken precedent in the media. But I, the rest of the season was going to be really dedicated to Kobe, I think, and it was going to be very honoring to him. And I just think it, it's a bummer that a little some of that got robbed. Yeah, totally. I think the silver lining is, um, you know, from a Lakers organization standpoint, Kobe's always going to be at the forefront of the narrative. So I know as a Lakers fan, like that part of the story is never going to be uh, left out. And I think the NBA, you know, up until COVID and having to worry about that did a really good job of honoring him. I think they still will to this day or and in the future. Sure. So Patrick, we met 2016 National Collegiate Student Section Association Convention, University of Cincinnati. We had 65 student leaders, 35 schools represented. And I just remember you being this larger than life guy from LMU who some of the ideas you were throwing out, I was like, man, LMU is quite the culture, what they're doing with uh, the cage at LMU. And so yeah, just for those listening, uh, there was an organization and it was a big network of student section leaders from across the country. And we came together to share best practices and ideas. So that's how Patrick and I met. And um, yeah, to whatever you want to, to share uh, Patrick, I, I think I just remembered that third day. Um, fourth day, fourth day, fourth day. I wasn't tapped out on day three yet. Can you tell me what you remembered from any of the presentations that fourth morning or? Yeah, not much. Um, <laughs> no. Um, yeah. I mean, that conference was, uh, you know, so awesome to be a part of and it's too bad I couldn't, um, or we didn't pull that together like earlier in my college career. Cause that was right before senior year and we were already 
firing on all cylinders at LMU as a mid-major, but the ideas that I grabbed from the likes of Florida and uh, the Kennel Club and Arizona and all these awesome powerhouse student sections, GCU, don't want to leave you guys out, the Bearcats, the hosts of the conference. Um, it was amazing. So going back to LMU, I tried to take a lot of those ideas to help the next um, you know, student leaders hopefully scale what we had achieved in that three years I was there. But uh, to backtrack a little bit, I met somebody that was a part of the board of NCSA, Austin Jacobs, at a conference tournament. So I definitely want to push everybody that listens to this, all student leaders, like go to your conference tournaments. The networking opportunities there are unreal and they've opened up so many doors for me. I wouldn't be here if I didn't go to Vegas to meet Austin and then that's how I met BK. So showing up to Cincinnati, um, it's funny because I've done like big conferences before for jobs um, I've had in the past. And with Muscle Milk, who I worked for previously in college, um, you know, everybody was in really good shape and we're all about nutrition and whatnot. But um, also it was a work hard, play hard mentality. And you'd be surprised how hard we got after it, after that last meeting. Uh, ended. So I went in with the same mindset coming to Cincinnati. I think I flew in, went out to lunch, went straight to the liquor store, got a 30 <laughs> and a fifth of tequila and put that in my room. And uh, I don't know if anybody else was trying to get after it like that, but the meetings were amazing. After the meetings, me and Andy from Indi uh, Indiana State, we went out every night. That last day, um, you know, a lot, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you fly into Kentucky to get into Cincinnati. And so that like, you know, spurred this idea in my mind, like, dude, we got to hang out in Kentucky for a little bit. So <laughs> we get done with our last meeting and we go to um, the minor league soccer game in Cincinnati. I forget the team's name, but now they're a major league team and their student section is off the chain. And that's why we all went there to observe and see what they were doing. Um, so I pre-gamed a little bit before that, had a ton of fun at the game, almost jumped the rails and went after, you know, one of the players from Tampa Bay or whoever they were playing. And then uh, after that, we just uh, kept, uh, kept it rolling. Me and Andy, we pre-gamed a little bit. We Ubered to Kentucky. Uh, we went out in Covington, Kentucky, a bunch of little dive bars. Um, you know, some biker gangs were in town. It was a ton of fun. And then... <laughs> You know, I was trying to ride the night out because it was already such a special night to and special weekend to be a part of everything. But he at one point, I think at one was like, Pat, I'm done, dude. I got to go. I was like, go ahead, man. I'll figure my way out. Um, so he leaves. And then I walk out of the bar and I go to the bridge right in between uh, the Great American Ballpark and the Bengal Stadium right over the Ohio River. And <laughs> it was... Uh, I don't know why it was just like a really cool moment to take um, a few minutes and like take it all in. And then I thought it was a great idea to take a little cat nap there, you know, at 2 AM about 20 minutes later <laughs> <laughs> on the bridge, I hear a car honking and I see Andy hanging out the window. He's like, Pat, Pat, there you are, man. Like get in, come on. Like, so we got in the Uber, we got back to campus around two 30 or three and then I was fine to make it for our meetings at 7 a.m., but freaking Casey, my roommate from Buffalo, hope he listens to this, didn't wake me up for some reason. <laughs> so then, uh, sure enough, I 
you know, start to open my eyes up at like around 10. I look at my watch and I'm like, holy cow, I can't cuss on this. Um, so I uh, stumble my way into the media. I remember, I think it was the social media manager, of the Reds, who was speaking at the time. And that was like the one meeting I really wanted to like make and listen to and hear her out. And so I come in at the end of it, I sit down and everybody's like looking at me and whatnot. And then I think you got up in front of everybody and was like, whatever her name was, you're like, thank you so much for that. Everybody gave her applause and she sat down. And then you were like, ladies and gentlemen, Patrick Hoffman. <laughs> and everybody clapped. And uh, yeah, there was a lot of good content that came out of that. A lot of funny snaps from our colleagues there at uh, NCSSA. So good times. Yeah, but looking back, I realized I was highly unprofessional. Uh, but <laughs> if somebody could pull it off, it would be me. And That's I still right. like got so much out of that uh, weekend and uh, hope that, you know, a conference like that comes back for student section leaders. Yeah, that was an incredible memory. Thank you for uh, refreshing that story. Um, man, that, that was great. And uh, yeah, had no idea that's what that's what people were doing. I, I mean, Austin, Jake and I and Ann Baker, we were just, you know, we were constantly meeting about the future of it. What is this going to look like next year? Like staying up late. Um, Don't had, no idea, <laughs> had no idea people were going out to Kentucky and stuff like that. So, well, let's jump into the student section. When you got to LMU, um, was there an established student section or can you give me the, uh, I don't want you to rush it, but give me the Cliff Notes version of, of your time there from the student section growth perspective, what you inherited when you got there, and then where you left it when you graduated. Definitely. So when I got there, there was a student section organization. Uh, at the time, it was called Roar, uh, fitting for, you know, our mascot being the Lions. And, you know, it was all right. It wasn't, you know, zero students in the uh, – student section but it definitely had room to scale so I actually applied for a job to be the mascot um, freshman year I didn't get it but they had um, a role open as treasurer of the student section so I took that and my freshman year every single game I wore a, a full red morph suit um, to all the games and was just like this you know uh, um, incognito crazy man at all these games and nobody knew who it was. Um, and I was usually standing next to our president at the time, Ray Ferrari, um, supporting him. And we had some really fun times and games that year that, um, you know, working together because not just, you know, we'll get into this, but it's not just about what you do at the games. It's behind the scenes too. And we worked really hard to market um, the heck out of the student section and get more bodies at games. And so we had some good success freshman year. He left after that year and, um, you know, the effort and the passion that I showed freshman year, even though I was behind a mask the whole time, um, the athletic department approached me to be president as a sophomore, which I was so honored to be. And I took it. And um, from there, really, um, the I think the biggest issue with uh, the student section at that time was actually the behind the scenes, not a lot of infrastructure from an organization standpoint. So I built out the board to be bigger than it was. We had five people freshman year, uh, sophomore year right away. I had 10 roles open for uh, students to step in and get involved in marketing and operations and a few 
different roles. Um, and from there, I just really try to push those students, um, you know, to market the hell out of the student section and, and um, try to also incorporate some new fun things that would get students excited. And that stemmed from really me just being myself and trying to have the student section embody that. So everybody knows I like to have a good time, like to party and crazy at the games. And I didn't hold back. I was my true self when it came to, um, you know, the in-game experience as well as the marketing aspect and trying to be really guerrilla with that and go really hard on social media, on print ads and the newspaper and then grassroots marketing you know, getting out and tabling and talking to students, getting uh, the players involved and having them come out and talk to students and putting some late nights in, you know, we tried to really color the campus with, uh, you know, marking materials before game day. And the, the thing I always tried to have on the board was people that other people that were really involved, just like myself uh, in a number of different things on campus and uh, I knew if they were passionate about LMU, they are, were passionate about sports as well. But the downside of that is sometimes people are just busy. You have midterms, you have meetings for other organizations, you have jobs. And so there would be, you know, nights where I was out till 4 a.m. putting stuff around campus in a golf cart. Um, so I just really tried to go hard and show people that it's all right to go crazy and, and cheer for your team, even if they're, you know, not having a winning season, which LMU's had, you know, some difficulties being a winning team um, from a basketball standpoint, which is our main revenue sport. Um, but who cares? You know, it's all about being out there with your friends and having a good time and going hard. I talk a lot with the, the student leaders that I, you know, get to work with now just about that marketing grind. And I think it's out of necessity for those building and, and when you get students like yourself who are passionate about building the student section, they will do whatever it takes. But I think it's also important for established student sections. It's easy to get complacent once you get success. And so they stop the grind. They stop that raw organic passion of like, we need every student to know about this because we believe every student should be there standing and engaged and go crazy. And so I, I unfortunately I, I see that across some of the more established student sections is getting complacent uh, with their previous success and not innovating and grinding. And so that's why I think training those student leaders each year is so important. Um, what's one, what was one crazy fun idea that you guys tried that either succeeded or what was the craziest, biggest fail that you, that you guys tried that was just innovative for LMU or student sections? Yeah, I'll start with the fun, good stuff first. Um, like I said, like I tried to have the student section and the student body to be an extension of myself as a leader um, because, you know, going back to freshman, sophomore year when the student section wasn't really built up and scaled out and there was a lot of men's games where I was, you know, one of the only crazy ones in the crowd, but you go to women's basketball and I'd be the only one out there. Uh, but I would have such a great time doing what I was doing. And um, the, the foundation for that was the pregame. Um, so definitely we tried to raise excitement um, before games to get students out there and involved, whether it was, um, you know, big tailgates where we had, um, you know, jolly jumper slides and um, 
what do you call it? The water pit where you dunk or a dunk tank, you know, um, bobbing for apples. I'm naming like really boring games. We, we did more fun stuff than that. Cornhole, um, free beer for students. Um, that was huge to get that passed uh, with our uh, campus police or sa public safety and the athletic department. Um, so we just tried to have fun before games because we knew that would be an, a nice fun activity for students to get involved in at around five, six o'clock before game time, whether they wanted to come to the game or not. But we knew that that would translate to more foot traffic to the game. And so, um, yeah, that was the main thing we tried to install was um, more fun before games, um, you know, instead of just like marketing the games and telling people to show up. Um, definitely getting these last few years, two free beers per student was a huge win. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be beer, but I think if you can get something that really attracts students like a local pizza place that they all love and are going to flock to or Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A, when Chick-fil-A opened up in LA, like that was huge for Amen. getting students to the game. So just like, you know, listen to the market and, and see what students want, student want, students want and give it to them. Um, you know, if you can, um, the bad, idea I guess that we installed um or I wouldn't say bad but it was a fail was you have to remind me BK on uh some of the apps that were out there for you know trying to up fandom um yeah there's a few different rewards programs rewards programs that's where I was yep. looking for yeah yeah so apps that you could um you know tag on social media that you're at the game and you get points for and then you could redeem those points for prizes and whatnot and you would think that in this digital age and with these um you know younger generations coming into colleges that they would flock to um you know something on their phones to get involved but that really wasn't the case not a lot of traction on that app or on social media um, at all. So, you know, now that I'm, I'm out of school, it's, I've haven't done too much reflecting on why that didn't work necessarily. Um, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of other ways I think to find success and get engagement from your audience than um, a third party app. I think it, maybe it was too many steps for these students that just wanted to hang on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and not have to go to another app and, and fool around with that maybe. Yeah, I think those apps, I've seen them be great tools to communicate or uh, they can be great like gasoline on the fire, but I've also seen where it takes a lot of time, energy and money to operate those apps. And then you get, really what you're doing is you're training students to come just for, it's just like a promotion, right? They're great tools, free pizza, free t-shirts. I talk about this every day. They're great tools to get students there, but students are going to come back because the culture and the experience. And yeah, then absolutely. if you train students to come for a point or a reward or a promotion, now they're trained to come for that. So if you ever remove that, now they have no reason to come. And so that's just going to then increase this. It's just, it's hard to keep those sustainable because it takes so much time, energy, and money. Um, definitely. So you mentioned the yeah. amount of work that you were putting in as a student leader you know, late nights, um, building out your team. You guys were grinding because you were passionate about it. Um, what, what, what growth did you see in your time there and what impact did that have on the university or the athletic department? Yeah, growth in terms of numbers. I want to say 
we hit a few attendance records my junior year. I actually say junior year was probably the peak in terms of like student section performance. We had a lot of um, big games where we filled out the stands, which is usual. When we play Gonzaga and BYU, usually everybody gets up for that. But the non-powerhouse schools that we played and the, the fans and the crowds we had for that, that's really where, um, you know, I saw a win for us. I think my favorite game ever at LMU was we were playing USD and it was, we won by 15. You could tell that the six man was really making an impact. And uh, we had a lot of exciting players then. And that was just in the middle of my junior year on a random Saturday at one o'clock game time that we had, you know, full stands. At that point, we were using a lot of props. We had a mini Nerf hoop in there. And every time we had a really exciting player at the time, Autumn Jocko, who was dunking all over the place. And every time there was a dunk, you know, somebody would run up and dunk on the hoop. And we had fat heads in the crowd. We had a shirt cannon. We had a lot of different signs and whatnot. Um, and that was a lot of fun, I think. But from a quantitative standpoint, breaking a few of the uh, attendance records in uh, the recent years was uh, a big win, as well as instead of the engagement or just the, the presence of the student section, not just kids standing up and saying defense, but you know, kids really getting into it and doing their research on the opposing team and yelling, you know, things at play and uh, getting more diverse with our chants. Uh, you know, you could see that difference as well, um, you know, since like my start of my tenure there. And I guess the impact it had on the school was uh, we actually saw more um, leaders of the school show up to games. For instance, one of my favorite traditions we have at LMU is our president, President Snyder, comes and sits in the student section every single game. And he, when I was there, and the current student section leaders that are there now, he stands right next to them and is yelling crazy things. And it's a lot of fun. And so definitely the student section and the athletic program has uh, the attention of um, you know, real, uh, you know, stakeholders at the university now. Yeah. Well, congrats. That's amazing results in your, you know, short tenure there. Um, you make it sound easy, Patrick. Uh, but what, what challenges did you face as a university culture geographic? I mean, you guys are WCC, you've got, uh, Gonzaga, you know, up North, you've got the USDs, um, the Pepperdines up the road, like mid-major basketball school. But what challenges did you face with getting students to want to come to a basketball game? Why should they go to a basketball game? So just curious what specific challenges you faced at LMU. Yeah, great question. So I think there's two sides to this equation. And hopefully whoever's listening to this, you know, some student section leaders can relate to this. You're not always going to have a winning season um, for whatever sport that you're trying to support and so winning definitely cures a lot of issues um you know with student sections and and tickets and filling the seats um but um you know there's ways to work around that um the biggest issue with lmu and getting students to games were we're in la so we have a lot of competition in terms of entertainment we're a mile and a half from the beach beautiful beaches manhattan beach venice beach a lot of fun to do down there um other great sports teams in the area we have UCLA basketball we have Dodgers we have Lakers we have Clippers Kings 
Um, we have Hollywood just down the street. Um, you know, it's, it's LA, it's entertainment, baby. Like there's a lot to do, um, you know, outside of, uh, on-campus activities. And on top of that, it's so nice out in this market, in this climate that, you know, I don't blame a lot of students for not wanting to go game at one, two, three o'clock and wanting to go off campus to, you know, a Greek life party or a, a surf uh, club day down at the beach or something like that. Um, so to tie that back into like some of the things we just talked about, it is upping that entertainment aspect to getting students really excited about, you know, coming to games and, and making the choice of like, where am I going to have more fun? Where am I going to be more entertained? Where am I, you know, going to build more relationships and better my uh, career at LMU. And so trying to build that narrative and all those pieces around sports was uh, definitely our uh, priority. I think that fed into my persona in front of the student section, trying to be, you know, a larger than life character because, you know, there's probably times where they're choosing between the student section and going to shows at the Staples Center for Taylor Swift or whoever, like the people got to be entertained. So try to bring that as much as possible in the student section and in-game promotions and whatnot. And what I love about your personality and who you are is you, you would have succeeded in a leadership role in whatever capacity you did, but you chose to do the student section, which takes sacrifice. Cause that means you're maybe missing out on some of those social events or other events, but you took your personality and maybe your social influence and said, no, I'm passionate about the student section. I see the benefit uh, on campus, on the community. It gives students an opportunity to feel part of something bigger than themselves. And you just ran with it and committed your time and the results showed. And so kudos to you because I think it's a temptation as a student leader to commit one to too much and spread ourselves too thin or to think that the grass is greener on the other side, or if I was only in a different leadership role, or man, I'm missing out on this event, rather than saying no, I have this amazing opportunity to build a student section, I'm going to make this the event to be at. And I think that's exactly what you did. Um, so you saw growth, you're not a power five school, um, you have your own unique challenges. So for any administrator, but I would say main, mainly any student, or student section leader or passionate student listening to this, what advice would you tell them regardless if their student section's established or starting out, what advice would you tell that student um, on what to do in order to build their student section? Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty simple it's a long road, but you just got to go hard. I mean, for me, like my personality, anything I get involved in, anything anybody gets involved in, they're passionate in, you got to go hard. And so it's a grind, like we talked about earlier with the marketing aspect and, you know, showing up to non-revenue sports um, and really just being an ambassador for the whole athletic program and the school as a whole. Um, you just got to go hard and, and be yourself and, and, and show people that true self and people are going to, you know, gravitate towards authenticity, I believe. Um, so that was the main thing. Don't be scared to be in front of people and, and make a fool of yourself because sure there were games and times in, in my first two years where, you know, something I had thought of might be embarrassing and whatnot. And maybe people would be like, 
what is this guy doing? But definitely you, you stick with it and you're persistent in your pursuit and uh, people are going to gravitate towards that, um, you know, down the road, not only like other leaders to get involved with your board and say, I want to get a part of this. I want to work with this guy, but also students and uh, alumni and um, the community off campus that maybe they're not alumni. And then administrators, um, when they see, you know, somebody that that's, that is that passionate about, you know, their school and their colors, um, it's going to attract some people. You had two options, right? You could have either pursued the student section or not. You chose the path to pursue the student section, put your heart, soul into that. How did that change you? How did that change your college experience? And how has that shaped who you are today? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can't say enough about the doors it's open for me to get involved and, you know, rise to the top and, and, and not half-ass it, not, you know, just want to be a board member, want to be presidents at a sophomore year level and, you know, ride it out my three years. And the re the, I mean, the main reason I got involved and was so passionate about it was I love sports. Like, and you don't think about that when you're picking your, you know, college necessarily, because there's so many other factors in play. You got to think about academics and um, your career after and what you want to do the area you want to live in um, what else there is to get involved in campus and I think wherever I would have ended up I would have gotten involved in athletics uh, but I picked LMU for a lot of those other reasons but um, I got involved because of sports and I would have done it all three years because of my love for sports and and our athletes that were at LMU but I would say this to anybody that's on the fence about thinking about getting involved um, it's being involved in the student sections opened up so many doors for me because you got to think it's one of the biggest, if not the biggest organizations on campus. So if you become a leader, you're, you know, at the forefront of thousands of students. Um, and when you're in that position, you have to have administrative help and guidance and eyeballs on you. And you're going to meet people through them. You're going to meet alumni, and people are going to remember you afterwards um, when you're done with, you know, your education. And so to this day, I still, uh, you know, meet people that are like, are you, were you that guy that dressed up as stone cold with the belt at the games? And I was like, yeah, you know, um, and through that, I've been invited to so many nice steak dinners and um, had a few job opportunities and I'm still close with, uh, you know, our president, president Snyder, and there's so many rewards on the back end if you get involved. Um, so if you're passionate about sports, um, do it. Not to mention on the social front, like I could get into any frat party or sports party, <laughs> I want, you know, uh, starting my sophomore year, which is the main reason I didn't join Greek life. I, I yeah, it, it was so much fun to be at the games in front of the student section, but it opened up a lot of fun and, and opportunities for me outside as well. Yeah. That's amazing. Thank, thanks for sharing that. The unique thing about a student section is I really believe it's the only group or organization on campus. The only thing you have to have in common is go to that school. You don't have to be part of a certain uh, fraternity, sorority, major, grade, class, dorm. You have to go to that school and you're part of that. So uh, thanks for talking about how, what a, what a great opportunity um, 
for leadership and leadership development and, and making an impact. Um, well, last, last few questions I'd like to ask each person these three questions. Um, first is, in your opinion, what separates the best student sections from the rest? I honestly believe, I know we've talked a lot about, you know, passion and my um, persona and craziness in front of students at games and whatnot, but I really believe it's the infrastructure behind the scenes. Everybody remembers me and my colleagues at games for, you know, what we did at games and those moments, but people don't see the behind the scenes work you put into it. So having a board that's really built out, having defined roles, um, if you're in a position where you have some heads under you, you know, pushing those students to really perform and, and get their job done, um, having, you know, a true marketing strategy in place, being on as many channels as you can be on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Snapchat, now TikTok, um, you know, forming communities on those um, channels and pushing hard there as well as getting, you know, downright and dirty and having to do the late nights to put, uh, you know, promotional materials out there. Um, you know, it's, it's a grind. Um, and you got to have the infrastructure built on the back end to run, you know, more or less a legit business and organization, as opposed to, I think a lot of students just think that, you know, 10 people show up to games and go crazy. And that's what it means to be a student section leader. It's not that there's some are some student sections that still operate like that but i would urge them to you know think about you know what they can do away from the court or the field or the pool to um you know really have a strategy in place to get more students to the games yeah the Kyle on the on a previous episode said it was like a hybrid between running a mini business and a mini athletic department and i think what you said, it's something that I, that I tell people what I train or, you know, in, our, in my trainings for student leaders, it's, it's essentially showing them how to run a mini business through your student section. And, you know, like, like you said, my, my outfit was a Spartan outfit with a purple cape and people saw that at games, but they had no idea that 25, 30 hours in the office behind the scene with the leadership team of nine that built that experience. That was just the fun part. That was just the product in the face of it. But um, I'm glad you said that because it's really all that other work that really makes that end product and what um, some of the top student sections are doing. Um, and I would well, say to just real quickly, like the, the spirit part of it should come easy. Anybody that wants to get involved in student section, the behind the scenes stuff is hard. Not everybody's cut out to run a business, so to speak. Um, so you know, if you're getting involved in the student section, go crazy, be, be yourself at games and, and step out of your comfort zone. Um, but, you know, that's why I, I love the NCSSA and, and doing chats like this and, and meeting other student section leaders when I was on campus, because, um, you know, the behind the scenes work is a lot harder and, but so important. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. They, yeah. That's great. Um, what's your favorite Goosebumps student section memory that gives you chills every time you think about it, if you have one, um, ideally sports related in the student section, but maybe something else is coming to mind? Yeah, I think my favorite on-campus game at LMU was that um, USD game junior year where 
it seemed like we were just firing on all cylinders. Um, a few non-revenue sports come to mind. We had some really big crowds for water polo games and baseball games and soccer games and got really uh, rowdy for them. Um, quickly, I just remembered this one. Um, there was one uh, like noon game for women's basketball where it was a uh, school game uh, for LMU, which meant all the schools in LAUSD that could make it came to the game, a bunch of elementary school kids. And so I was free at, at that um, that uh, point in time, that noon game on like a Wednesday. And LMU's women's basketball, we were all right. We were, I think, above 500, but we were playing a ranked St. Mary's team. And I went out there in my full getup and was leading all these, you know, five to 10 year olds, like bigger crowd than we usually have too. The stands were full <laughs> because they, they brought in yeah. schools from all over the place to fill them up. And the passion these little kids brought to the table and the way they followed me and, and got engaged with my chance in the team and whatnot and supported the team on the court. I wish that, you know, students could shed their egos and, and, be young again almost and and be that authentic like, like these little kids were um that day and so we ended up finishing the first half up by 25 against a ranked oh my gosh. St. Mary's team and went on to beat them and I had so much fun uh leading those kids and it shows that if, if you are your authentic self and you shed the ego and um you know if you're not a student section leader and you're just showing up to games and you want to have fun it's there for you to have it and it makes a real difference on the court and it shows you can make an impact on those kids lives and, and other people just besides the students on campus uh, what a great story I love to hear that I got the goosebumps you know he hearing about that story and, and imagining you leading these hundreds of five to ten year olds just going crazy um, last question Patrick if you could be a student section leader dress up like stone cold or whatever get up you choose for one more game you knew you would have a hundred percent student attendance at capacity it was going to be packed engaged what's the scenario what's the venue who's the opponent and what are the stakes yeah great question let's see first i gotta find a wrestler i haven't dressed up as <laughs> Uh, Stone Cold's an obvious one uh, since I've lost my hair. Uh, I've dressed up as Macho Man, Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan. Uh, I don't know who would be next. I'd probably just go with the Stone Cold getup again. Maybe Pat Hoffman, WWE Maybe wrestler. Penthouse Pat Hoffman. That's the uh, moniker uh, that I'll probably go with. But um, probably playing Gonzaga at home. Um, we haven't beat them since – 2011 uh they're always ranked pretty much when they come into our house uh and we always play them tough when they come in but we haven't beat them we haven't gotten over that hump um you know in my time there and then years before that and the years since um so we got a full crowd um you know we're firing all all cylinders i'm dressed up i'm freaking out my cohorts are freaking out we got you know alumni at the game we got uh, administrators we got the whole community on board I would really love to see a win um, on our home court against the Zags and 
to rush the court. Um, so that situation happened back in 2011. I think the Zags were ranked three. We've had them in our building ranked one a few times and played them hard. And we have a new uh, coach and staff and have kept a lot of um, really solid players from the last coach's tenure um, coming into this year um, that we would have thought we would have lost as transfers once he was let go. So I think it's the dawn of a new era uh, for LMU basketball. And who knows, I might get back out there in my getup um, and get uh, back in the student section for that win. I think it's going to happen in the next few years with this new uh, regime that's in there. I love it. Well, I hope I can see an LMU game uh, one day with you. I know you're just up the road being in LA and me being down in San Diego. But thanks so much for taking time out of your day and jumping on the Biggest Fan Podcast. Where can people uh, find you if they were inspired by your story or they want to see if you become a WWE wrestler one day? Where can they find you either online or? Yeah, um, let's see a few plugs here. Uh, Instagram at the Pat Hoffman, uh, Twitter at the Pat Hoffman. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, I'm working on some things that aren't sports related, like my own digital agency. And, um, you know, I take my career pretty seriously in digital marketing and whatnot. So, um, you know, whether it's questions about student section stuff or um, career stuff or digital marketing, social media in general, since I've made a career out of that um, post graduation, you know, I'm happy to chat with anybody. I hope to, you know, stay involved with not only LMU's, um, alumni programs and, and athletics there, but, you know, staying in touch obviously with UBK and, and hopefully, um, you know, helping some other student sections and, and schools and their marketing down the road. I love it. Well, Pat Hoffman, everybody, thanks so much for jumping on. Thanks, BK. Talk soon, man. Thanks for listening to the Biggest Fan Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to give us a rating and make sure to subscribe. We'll be dropping new content often and you don't want to miss out on a single episode. And one last thing, make sure to check us out at studentsections.com or Biggest Fan Consulting on Facebook. Until next time, I'm Brandon Kaiser and this is the Biggest Fan Podcast. Stay hyped.